Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cara. You have a little cold today and your voice sounds especially Greta Garbo. (laughs) I sound like my daughter who has this awesome, low, scratchy voice. So for today, I'll have the wisdom of a 46-year-old, but the voice of a 14-year-old. I love it. So since your voice is not entirely participating today, I am going to read a question that we got from one of our listeners. And it's about setting boundaries for middle school romance. And here it goes. My question is regarding my fifth grade boy. We have had discussions about having girlfriends and how he isn't ready. And until he can explain to me what it means to be a boyfriend or to have a girlfriend, he can't go there. But he has crushes always has since preschool, which is fine, normal even. This year though, there is a girl he has a crush on and he asked her to be his quote date end quote at the dance. Great, cool. But now they exchanged iPod emails and texts and FaceTimes. And I'm struggling with this one because he's thirsting for his phone. And I get it. I'm trying to find boundaries for it. My husband is totally against him communicating with the opposite sex in this way because he says we're letting him go down a path of being distracted from his education and sports. Vanessa, there are about 12 questions wrapped into this one question, and I think we should just unpack it from the top and start with middle school romance and land with distraction. Sound good? I think that sounds like a great idea, partially because that's the easiest one to answer. So I'm (laughs) happy to start there. So 
We have talked on other episodes about different versions of romance and crushes and relationships and different vocabulary that kids now use when they are emotionally or physically involved with somebody with whom they have some version of a romance. So why don't we start with kind of what's age appropriate and what we typically hear about or see in terms of like how romance goes with fifth graders or middle schoolers or things like that. So first of all, having a crush or having a quote unquote boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't necessarily mean they're doing anything, but actually just having feelings for another person and maybe letting those feelings be public knowledge to that other person and maybe some of the intermediary friends who help facilitate spreading and sharing the knowledge of the crush. So that may be it. It may be that one kid really likes hanging out with another kid in school or, you know, in a house party or group FaceTime or group chat. And that might be it. They may not want to go out together. They may not want to see each other in person outside of school. They most definitely are not for the most part, interested in being physical at all with each other. So that's how I would describe the landscape. Car, would you add to that? I think that is the most important piece of this whole episode. If you're going to press stop because you have to go run and do an errand, just take that advice that Vanessa just gave, which said another way is the words that younger kids, middle schoolers are using to describe how they feel about another person maybe words that imply something more than what is really going on. To say that they have a girlfriend or a boyfriend in the early middle school years can often simply mean they have feelings and those feelings are reciprocated full stop. And I love that advice, Vanessa, because it's reminiscent of advice we give around when kids ask about sex. And we always say, Find out what they're asking. If you don't know how to answer the question because you don't know how big or narrow their question is, ask them. That's a really interesting question. What do you mean by that? This is another great example of using that strategy. So I have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. That's a really interesting sentence. Tell me what you mean by that. What does that look like to you? You're going to get a really different answer from a fifth grader and from a ninth grader and from a 12th grader. And by the way, you can do it in a funny way. You can be like, I am so old and it has been so long since I was in like a new special relationship. Can you explain to me like how it works these days and what words you use and what's like, you know, considered kind of normal and what's considered like very unique or special? I mean, you can be funny about it. Kids love laughing at us. So Instead of going into interrogator mode, go into sort of like curious, cool aunt or uncle mode and ask some ask some gently probing questions. What do kids um, these days say? Hey, kiddo. <laughs> um, by the way, we totally, we have this crazy viral TikTok right now about wet dreams. And I use the word dude in the TikTok and like half the comments are like, oh, when she used the word dude, it was so painful. <laughs> It is pretty funny. <laughs> I'm it like, is pretty funny to see all the reaction. I'm not going to say hate, all the reactions to yeah. the word dude. So maybe to the kiddo. word dude. 
Or kiddo. Yeah. And then if I use, if I use kiddo, they're going to be like, oh, don't oh, use kiddo. It's so if painful. my mom talked to me like that. Oh my God. I would totally walk <laughs> out of the room. And the other thing to think about is, and this is, we encourage adults not to layer on our experiences onto kids and what they're going through. But there are some kind of seminal moments in our lives that we can hearken back to about a first crush or like a first butterflies in the stomach feeling. And if you remember, it was kind of like maybe notes were being passed back and forth in class, or maybe like you talked to each other in the hallway, or you were like went to the dance together, but like never actually danced with each other. I mean, so it does help to go back to those, like eliminate the teenage years, which layer on all sorts of much more complex things and go back to those earlier years. And it was really just like, exciting to like someone. I'm flashing back right now. And I have this visceral memory of the big feelings that those just being in the same room with a crush elicited huge feelings. And that's normal. It's normal and it's typical. And that might be some of what is being communicated by this kid. Now, I want to move on to the layering of technology on yep. top of all of this, because this is a place where when we flash back and we think about our own middle school, early crushes, early feelings, right? Even earlier in the middle school, grade school, but you know, we didn't, we didn't have devices, right? This didn't exist. There was a single telephone with a really long cord. This is different. So let's talk about the part of the question that asks specifically about exchanging emails, texts, being on FaceTime and understanding how to parent or adult around these very different circumstances that exist in concert with early crushes and early romantic feelings. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. Designed for all genders in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com. After we've been Zooming all day, we both hit the same wall. We forgot about dealing with dinner. But given what we do for a living, we know the importance of feeding ourselves and our families well. And we want it to be yummy. So we're psyched to have found Factor. Factor's chef-created, ready-to-eat meals show up at our front doors. With over 35 different options a week to choose from, Cara goes vegan and veggie while I opt for a whole variety since I have so many kids. Two-minute prep gets us restaurant-quality full meals, snacks, and smoothies. And Factor is less expensive than takeout. And because flexibility is key, you can choose anywhere from six to 18 meals per week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor meals require no prepping, no cooking, and no cleanup. 
our kids are thrilled by the lack of dishes. So get started today and have a week of meals ready to go, taking the dinner prep pressure off. Head to factormeals.com slash puberty50. Use the code puberty50 to get 50% off. That's code puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50. We know it's really tough when a kid's skin is breaking out for the first time or the hundredth time. But now there's an effective product that can help. It's called Phyla, and it's clinically proven to fix acne by targeting the bad bacteria on the skin without eliminating all the good bacteria. This rebalances the skin's microbiome, treating existing breakouts and preventing new ones. Phyla's active ingredient is a probiotic isolated from the skin of healthy, acne-free individuals. This means Phyla can stop acne before it starts by eliminating bacteria in the pores without irritating or drying skin. And Phyla is safe for kids of all ages. Dermatologists recommend this easy three-step system. Just cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. My own kids actually use this product. They love it because it works so well. Get 25% off your first order of Phyla with the code PUBERTY. Go to phylabiotics.com and type in the code PUBERTY at checkout. Link is in the show notes to get started. So when we were kids, it was you spent hours on the phone or as many, as much time on the phone as your adults would allow. And maybe you did like a conference call or you did... Party line. Party line. (laughs) Or you like... Then there was like this sort of naughty version where you had someone else on the phone and you didn't tell the other person you were talking to. I know. Um, it was usually my brothers and then they would go, oh. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it was really traumatizing. I need to have like a conference with your brothers and just like discuss all of it. So again, we're not reliving our youth, but it is important to remember that even though we didn't have smartphones with FaceTime and text and Snapchat and all of that, we did have regular telephones and we spent a lot of time on them if we were allowed to. Now, I didn't have a phone in my room and I had to get off the phone at a certain time. So there were limits. And I think we can take those lessons about limits into this conversation about today's technology and how kids can use it or not use it in their relationships. And then there's the pandemic factor, which is that for two years, their entire social lives were online. And thank God for that, frankly, because if they had been staring at us for two years and no one else, families wouldn't be as close as they now claim to be post-pandemic. So there's a few things we can do. One is we can set limits without completely banning them from access, right? This is how they're going to communicate to other kids before they can walk around by themselves or drive by themselves. This is how they're going to connect. So we can set limits. We can also acknowledge that they had certain freedoms in the pandemic around their technology that we're going to walk back a little bit because it's just like real life is happening and there's more school and they're that much older and they have that much more homework. So naming that what maybe was an okay standard a couple of years ago is now going to have to change is totally fine. Like that's, I think, a really important thing. Yeah, I think it's also fine to name that we're a little out of our depths here to say to our kids, hey, 
These things are familiar to me, crushes, feelings, relationships, first dates. These things are not texts, videos, you know, all the conversation around how that can go south, nudes, you know, yada, 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 right? So to say to our kids, this bucket of stuff over here, I've got sorted and I I feel very comfortable already setting my limits. This bucket of stuff is new, did not exist when I was younger. So we're going to set limits and the limits may change. We might over-regulate and pull back a little as you communicate with us about why and how we're over-regulating and it's not okay. We may under-regulate and turn it up a little if we realize we haven't set those limits. You're not asking your kid permission to do those things. You're telling your kid, these are the pieces that are new to me and I'm going to have to learn. I'm on a steep learning curve. I'm going to have to learn how to feel comfortable with them. And so, by the way, we're going to have conversations about this. This isn't a one and done rule because the rules are going to shift and change, right? The kids are going to get older and your comfort level is going to shift or they're going to really screw something up. They're going to do something on a device that gets them into hot water or could get them into hot water and you're going to have to pull back. So having the conversation about having the conversation is a really nice way in with a kid. It's not super satisfying to the kid, by the way. I want to tie in the last sentence about the listener's partner having concerns that this is a distraction and taking away from sports and schoolwork and all that. I mean, one way that I got around that in my house when my kids were around this age and kind of newly accessing technology and feeling really excited about it and sort of embracing their their independence and their new social life on this device was to set a series of expectations and rules. And at this age, they had 30 minutes in the evening when all of their work was done and their rooms were clean and they had gotten everything else cleared out. They had 30 minutes and then a clear time when they needed to get off. And that worked imperfectly, but it generally worked because what we were concerned about was like, are they going to rush through their homework to get to the FaceTime or the device or whatever, which we didn't want to have happen. So if there is a time limit, at least they know that's it. And then the time is That's a is great up. strategy. That's a great strategy. I mean, I, I think another way of looking at it is simply to recognize that social connection yep. and relationship building is not a distraction. It's a very important skill to build. And as is getting educated, as is being physically active, being a member of a team, right? So the the spouse of this listener is saying, I don't want the pie divided any more than it already is. The pie should be education and sports or extracurriculars. That's comfortable to me. And I think it's a really fair and important thing to come in and say, wait, wait, that pie does need to include social growth. That pie does need to include building relationships with friends and eventually way down the road with significant others, right? And you can't just ignore that giant slice. Now that slice is going to start to come in in a very important way. And so how are we going to help our kid divide the pie in your way, Vanessa's fantastic one, which is let's give a time limit so there's no motivator to rush through one set of slices in order to get to another, that that social slice is a fixed one. 
This is a temporary solution, of course, because as kids get older, that slice shifts and it shifts not just from year to year, but frankly, from day to day. There are days when older kids need to focus more on work or on sports or on an extracurricular that's not a sport. And there are days, frankly, when they do need to focus more on relationships and connection. We learned that in the pandemic too. I hear something else in her question. I feel... I feel like I'm like a pubescent boy today. My voice is going to start cracking in a second. Um, I hear something else. Yeah, but you're talking so much. (laughs) Right. So if I was a pubescent boy, I'd be like silent and then be like, no. And then I don't know. And then, okay. And that's it. Um, But I'm so chatty. So I hear in her question that someone else likes her kid and has initiated stuff. And we don't know whether or not her kid reciprocates the feelings towards this other person, but he is involved in some kind of relationship with this other person. And here's another conversation I have with your kid, which is sometimes people have feelings for us and we don't have feelings back for them. And how do we, if we need to say like, no, I don't want to go to the dance with you or no, I don't feel that way about you. How do we tell someone that without being hurtful? Because we don't want our kids to feel pressured to be in relationships with other people that they don't want to be in, right? That's a critical thing in life, friendships, romantic relationships. We want them to feel agency to say, yeah, this isn't working for me or I'm not interested or whatever, but also be kind to someone else. Right. And getting to that requires two things. It requires experience. So you can't just squash this whole phenomenon because kids do need practice figuring that out. It also requires conversation. It's either going to be conversation with you or conversation with their friends. And frankly, by fifth grade, the conversation tends to shift closer to friends. Certainly by sixth grade, it really shifts to friends. If you still have a toe in that door and you can open the conversation with them and help them understand, hey, this is this is great that these things are happening around you, but you don't want them to happen to you. So you want to be an active participant in one direction or another. Let's talk about what that looks like. That becomes really important as they get older. So I think that's a a fantastic point. On top of that, I just want to add one thing, which is the issue of how do you communicate it? Are you doing it by text? Are you doing it on FaceTime? Are you doing it in person, right? We all know as adults that the best way to communicate difficult stuff to someone is like speaking to them on the phone or in person. But A, it's a really hard skill to build. And all of us avoid doing that sometimes when it's a hard topic to address. And by the way, the kids are much more native to texting or FaceTiming or whatever. And so having... You say it's the better ways to talk. I say the better. But for them, remember, talking could be texting. Talking could be... right. So talking, if you listen to our vocab lessons for the OGs, talking doesn't even mean talking anymore. It means eight different things that aren't actually talking. So one way that I've addressed this in my house is like when one of my kids has a tough situation to handle, I actually ask my other kids or if they're there with friends, like, what do you guys think is a kind way to handle this? Because I know what I would recommend, but I'm curious what your peers feel like is a fair way. Because if you text it, it can be screenshotted, it can be shared, it can be all of those things. And so if you're going to text someone, you better make sure 
that what you're saying is like appropriate and not cruel or super hurtful or any of those things. And of course, the spouse who's struggling with what a time waster this is might doubly struggle there because now it's not just a time waster for one kid, it's a time waster for all if that's the paradigm. And so you really do want to get your co-parent, your co-pilot, the people who are on your team helping you raise your kid, you do want to get them on board with the importance of allocating a little bit of time and energy to all of this in the first place. Because it's really, really hard when one adult in the situation just doesn't want to go here at all. And it's understandable, especially now that we are living in a post-COVID, even though it's not really post-COVID world where life is back, homework is back, extracurriculars are back, time feels short. All the lessons of pandemic where we all said, no, I will never let go of the feeling of prioritizing and connecting with people and all that, that's all gone, right? It's there, we lived it, but the realities of day-to-day existence are very much back. And so it's hard. It's very hard for some people who are wired to see those to-dos as clear priorities on the checklist for them to wrap these types of topics into their approach to daily life. They're act, we In medicine, we call them activities of daily living, right? It's the stuff you have sexy. to do every day. Yeah, it's really sexy, like tying your shoes. And, you know, this does need to become an activity of daily living. And just to reiterate a point you made earlier and close on this particular topic, it's really important that our kids have these feelings and have these relationships, however we define relationship, and practice these communication skills and interpersonal skills and plan making skills or no plan making skills just you know i'm going to speak to this person at 8 p.m. tonight whatever it is these are all really critical and will actually help kids in other facets of their lives their athletic mm-hmm. lives their theater lives their academic lives all of those things will be better off for having developed these skills in their social lives and It's our job to help set limits for them, but it's not our job to tell them how they feel or who they care about or with whom they connect because those are sort of the magical moments that adolescence is made of and it's really very special. So we would encourage everyone to recognize that it's age appropriate and that we get to set limits on how this comes about in daily life. And our limits aren't always going to be correct out of the gate, and we will (laughs) probably have to adjust them in one direction or another. I just don't know what direction, right? So constantly, yeah, test and acknowledge that you're testing. Let's see how it works this week. If it goes well, we'll keep at it. If it doesn't do so well, let's circle back on Sunday and figure out what we can do differently. Vanessa, I will see you next week when you have a voice back. (laughs) When I don't sound like my daughter anymore. Although I do. I mean, the Kathleen Turner sound is very cool, but I don't sound like myself. So that's a little bit funny. And I'm a little bit grumpy. Sorry. Thanks, Cara. Bye, Vanessa. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at the Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. 
And for more puberty info, check out myumla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye.